Welcome. This is podcast number three, Business and Life podcast with Matthew and Ben. Yep. Today we are going to be talking about us and our background, our experiences, what we've done in life, how we've got to where we are and our upbringing. Um, so I think we said we'd start with our early childhood. So yep. you know, Matthew, why don't you start with yeah. your, your growing up? I think personally, um, so I was born and raised in Spain in a city called San Sebastian, which is kind of like a bubble. Um, it's literally like the perfect place to raise your child in. So like no very little crime next to the ocean. You've got mountains, you've got like good schools, you've got all the nice restaurants, you've got all the activities. Um, and I didn't, uh, like if you're born there, you don't really appreciate it. Right. So, um, Throughout my childhood, I guess some like a big event, at least for me, uh, that happened was like the divorce of my parents, um, which obviously you know carried out some stuff that made me mature more or made me become a bit more ambitious. Because what you tend to do if your parents are divorced, you tend to compare yourself to like other kids. You tend to see what kind of consequences something like that can have in your life and the arguments they can hear and so on. Um, so I would say that was one of the big, the biggies. Um, what do you think? That, what, so you think that had a positive or negative effect uh, generally in your upbringing? Positive. I mean, now positive now. Uh, at the at the time, I was like, it sucked, right? Um, because yeah. uh, it's not like a, a nice experience. At the beginning, it was like okay because they didn't argue. But as time goes on, you know, you, you do see that arguments and all that stuff going on, um, and it does make get like create a bit of a ball like a yeah something inside of you that makes you become a bit more ambitious um and then you take it throughout life right so it's i think similar to how you're feeling right now ben where you can't stop something that it's already inside you like in terms of motivations ambition and so on um and i think i've carried that through my i guess adult life right now yeah it's interesting yeah i mean i i grew up in in a family that was very strict on me performing very well, which conversely, I hear a lot of people who grew up in that environment end up sort of resenting that and go off and do something completely different. So my, my parents were very focused on, I needed to get into the right school, get the right grades. If I didn't get the right grades, I was a failure. If I wasn't the best at this sport, I was a failure. And, it was really focused on you know being the best person I could be, mm-hmm. and interestingly, it, it's kind of worked differently for my brother and I, and and I know the rest of my extended family are very similar to that because my my dad's brothers, they're so my cousins, they're they're all the same. Mm-hmm. They that's how they grew up as well. But we've all kind of turned out differently. So mm-hmm. I guess I guess it's maybe different genes and and. Uh, I don't know exactly, but yeah. for me, it. I had a bit of a rebellion when I was in my mid-teens. Uh-huh. It's almost like I'm I'm tired of being told what to do, yeah. tired of um, being told I'm not good enough, tired of you know, them telling me that what they say is always the right way. Mm-hmm. And I think when I started to almost talk back to my to my dad mm-hmm. about, you know what, I don't actually think you're right there. Mm-hmm. And it came to a really important realization in my late teens where 
your parents aren't always right. And a lot of the time, on a lot of subjects, you actually know more than your parents. <laughs> but it's very much like they, because you're so used to being a kid and being told by your parents that, oh, what you're doing is wrong, what I'm telling you is the right thing to do. As you grow up, you just expect that that is the way. But as you grow up, I felt, you know what, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing what I initially thought I should be doing. And, and there was a lot of conflict between me and my dad. And um, I think that was what caused a bit of a rebellion between, in, my, in my mid to late teens. I was never a particularly hard worker after I got into the, the, the top school I got into. I never really revised. I never did any revision. I never worked hard for, to do my exams. Um, I think I'm fortunate in that I had a natural intelligence, but... That come, when it came to did that come in like so you were like a good student until you realized that you had your own criteria of looking at things and at that point yeah 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 almost almost and then and then it i think it came to realization what what is the point of actually doing these exams mm. like what am i achieving here yeah what what is being what is having 95 percent in this exam got to do with what's going to happen in the real world yeah And I started to question these things in, when I was sort of 17, 18. Okay. Um, but there was also the other, the, flip, the other side of the coin where you have to do that because in Europe, at least, in, if you don't go to university, you know, you don't get a job. Yeah. And I think that's, a, in my opinion, a terrible way for to sort of grow up and a terrible thing to, to put teenagers through because they, you don't need grades to be successful. At all. Anyone can tell you that. Yeah. And you realize that as you grow up and you realize how actually pointless your entire degree was when you go into the real world. Yeah. But um, I had this realization when I was 17, 18, like, what am I doing? This is rubbish. But at the same time, I have to go to university. So I really started when I was 18 and I had a bit of a kick, a kick in the ass when I was 17 because my results weren't as good as I'd expected in the, and had in the past. Yeah. I sort of breezed through a lot of school. And then in my my sort of first year as a uh, senior, or I guess you were 17 years old at the time, um, my results weren't particularly good. And it was the, sort of the first realization that, hang on a minute, I actually need to do some work. Yeah. Um, and if I really want to achieve something, at, at this point in my life, I thought the only way to achieve something was to go to university, get a good degree, mm. get a get a job. And I had in my mind already at that point in time, I wanted to be an investment analyst and I wanted to work for yeah. a, uh, one of the big asset managers. Um, and I needed a good degree to do that. So, so that's, that's a, that's a good point. So you go from like being pretty strict, right. Uh, about your like education, discipline and so on through your family mainly to yeah. then figuring out like, Oh shit, I've got my own criteria going on. Uh, I'm going to question pretty much everyone. Um, yeah. To then figuring out exactly what you want. And then that having that same correlation to what you were being told by your parents, right? Because you, exactly, hadn't, yeah. you hadn't seen a different model. Exactly. It's, it's very interesting. And I, I've, I've thought about this a lot because I think what they were telling me to do was was fine. Like They were telling me to work hard, the importance of going to this, getting into the school I got into. And to some extent, that has helped me a lot in life. Yeah. But it's really helpful to come to your own realization at some point. And that's what happened when I was 18. I came to my own realization that actually what I'm, what I, what I, where I want to be, I do need to work hard and I do need to work hard at these things yeah. to get there. 
and my parents weren't telling me to do anything at that point in time yeah. but it was my own personal sort of understanding and belief and and uh drive and determination to do that so why um, why do you feel that you've got the determination that you've got right now along your path towards you know becoming like an entrepreneur acquiring companies we can go into that later on uh, but what yeah. what do you think made you get to that point yeah it's an interesting question do you think it's like and an innate I, I think there's probably a say again do you think like it's an innate like something that you got inside of you that it's just you. Yeah, I, th I think there's part of that. And then I think there's also a part that all my life, any kind of success has just been pushed down. I've never, ever had any genuine encouragement all my life from family and especially not from friends. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I've sort of tried to do something good, it's almost like that's not good enough. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I've had that instilled in my brain. Mm -hmm. All my life yeah. and so when i'm where i am now i look at myself and i think what i've accomplished is to, to a lot of people is, is fantastic but to me it's not good enough yeah yeah um, and i think that's that, that's probably where it comes from um why i'm the way i am yeah. um, I almost like a chip on my shoulder that, that's one of the things that makes you like really cool and then also for yourself like it's got the upside and the downside right so yeah um how how do you mitigate like how do you work around that? Because it's a it's a tough place to be in, no? Like every single time you do something, it's not enough. Yeah, I guess like you said in the last podcast, you sort of there's that gap between where you want to be and where you are now. It's like that blissful gap. What did you call it? Uh, blissful dissatisfaction. <laughs> yeah, blissful dissatisfaction, and that's where I kind of am. I mean, I'm I'm not unhappy when I achieve, when something is achieved, but I'm also not, that's not the end for me. Yeah. And I know that, you know, I need to keep going because that's still not good enough. And, yeah. and I don't, and I don't know when will be good enough. I don't know when I will be able to say, yeah, it's good enough. Now I, I feel like I'm where I want to be. Yeah. Maybe, maybe what I'm, what I'm looking for deep down is someone to say, Hey, you know, you've been, You've really accomplished something here. Congratulations! Like you've done so well. Do you, um, do you think if, I, I, if, if you heard that from your parents, that would be like, hmm, that's a strange one. Let me actually think <laughs> about it. Like, yeah, I, I, I haven't, and I think even if I even if I did, I would still continue doing what I'm doing now because I think the importance of growing up in that environment and your upbringing really defines you later in life. And so whether I would be the way I am now if my parents hadn't brought me up the way I was and my friendship group hadn't ever given me the encouragement, and I don't know. But I know now that even if I did get the, that encouragement, even if someone did say, congratulations, Art, you've done amazing, yeah. it wouldn't really affect me. I would still want to keep moving forward, keep progressing, keep getting bigger, keep doing... You know, so yep. yeah, it's, it's a strange one, but yep. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, but what about you? Did you do, do you feel like that? I mean, how, how what was your teens like? When did do you have a sort of a switch where yeah. you went from yeah. not being a bit lazy to suddenly thinking, actually, I love what I do. I want to yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so from like literally from one to eighteen, I was kind of like the perfect student. Like I would always get 
pretty like very good marks at school. Um, always overachieve. Always really focus on on what to do because I wanted to get to the goal of kind of, you know, I guess becoming successful, right? On those terms that I was being proposed by society or by parents or you know by my surroundings. Mm-hmm. And then what happened is I moved over to London, and then that's where I, I totally changed. So I went from being this really good student, you know that did everything right to then realizing holy shit and apologies for the you know for all the the bad words here but this <laughs> the, i just came to the realization that this is worthless and it's not worthless because it does give you credibility and it does uh show that you're able to finish something but outside of that like all you've it, it doesn't really like people don't really care about your degree um and that's when i started like being very interested in business, I realized that, okay, I've got some something innate, something around me that ge- generates some kind of interest around business or the topic of it. So I would start reading books. I would start uh, looking at projects, trying to build projects, uh, doing a bit of marketing, doing outreach, like literally how you start out, right? Um, and uh, I, I left uni on the side. So obviously what happened was my marks went from like nine tens, eight minimum to down to almost like failing at university. And that created like a lot of friction between my parents and myself, um, which obviously brought a lot of, um, you know, a lot of arguments at home, even almost you know, like proper fights. Uh, and I've heard this, uh, you know, Conor McGraw on your end? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he was having a lot of fights, um, back with his dad when he was just being a, a punk, right, over in Ireland. And then once he started yeah, yeah. generating results in, like, business, in his business, uh, he started getting, like, a bit better of a relationship. That same phase has happened with me. So uh, go from, like, having fights to then bringing results home and then be like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> I think a lot, a lot of that is sort of parents and the older generation not understanding that, not even understanding entrepreneurialism. Mm. And I hear this a lot at that friends and even myself, you know, we take a different path. We start a business and it's almost, I, I've given up a very good job to start a business. I know other people have given up good jobs to start a business and people are like, that's so risky. Well, but isn't that just a really risky thing to do? Well, you know, it is somewhat risky, but in my eyes, there was never any doubt that I wasn't going to succeed. And you're not really you've got one life yeah you know i believe you've got one life you can you can live all your life working for someone and doing a job you're not particularly fond of and you can look back when you're older and you're gonna think why did i spend all my life doing that why didn't i and they say you know people regret the things they they didn't do not the things they did so and i think I, i i think of that a lot um and so i think it's important that I wanted to follow a career that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think people that have and taken that risk, as people would call it, mm-hmm. is a calculated risk. And yep. you can't you can't ever be successful without taking risk in life. There's there's no entrepreneur that never took a risk. There's no there's no billionaire that never took a risk. There's no successful person that never took a risk. It's just not possible. Yep. Um and so as long as you've made a calculated risk yep. Uh, and even if you haven't, even if you just jump in in the deep end, yeah. it's, you've got to start somewhere. And I guarantee that person's going to end up better off because he's 
he's tried and he's gone out and taken those risks than someone who's just yeah. sort of going through the motions in life. How, how do you feel? Like what what criteria or what like I guess item should you look at if you wanted to make that jump? So you could be earning you know a very good six figures as an investment banker right over in over in London uh, right now. Yeah. Uh, but now you've got the potential to get to obviously millions, right? Business-wise, financially, uh, etc. But obviously, there's a gap to one before you get there, right? There's like a, some periods yeah. of you know, you just try. You've got to build momentum. Yeah. How- so I mean, essentially, I I I was doing my first business while I was still working. Okay. So during the hours that I could fit in during the day, I had started my other business. Um, that was a that was a retail and um, and tr- trade wholesale uh, store that sold healthy and organic products, and I started that and it, it boomed and I was making at that point more money than I was in in investment banking at the time and in, as an investment analyst at the time, yeah. and that's when I really started to contemplate right wh- where do I want to go in life what do I really want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And that's when sort of my entrepreneurial journey started, and I and I left that role, and and actually so ben, I had to make it before before leaving the role. You were making more money with your part time business than with your full time job, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that was a big push for me to say mm-hmm. I'm going to go and and try and do this full time, become a full time entrepreneur and business person, mm-hmm. and and I think it helped that I was making money. Yeah more money than I was in my job, definitely. But I think for anyone that's not, that that maybe you need to invest full time in, in the job. I mean, I would say you can, if you want to start a side hustle, they say, mm-hmm. as they call it, yeah. um, fine. Yeah. I think do it at the same time as the job you're, you're currently doing because a lot of the time, the first business you start is not going to work. Yeah. You learn so so much through your first business yeah. and through any other business you start from then that yeah. that aren't successful. That it's, it's maybe the third or fourth business you start that actually gets traction and actually works. Um, is, is this the and, first business that you built, or the first one that was actually successful? So this was this was almost the first business. I, I started a a couple of other businesses, but. About halfway through product development, yeah. I decided that the product wasn't any good, yeah. even though initially thinking it was. Yeah. And I think that just got a better understanding of the market as I went on. After investing a few thousand pounds in these projects, I just cut my losses and I said, no, I don't think these, these are going to work. Yeah. And that's a really important thing for an entrepreneur to do. Yeah. Some people are too proud to say that they can't be, they're not, they've not been successful. And, and I, I cut my losses and said, all right, I don't think this is going to work. And then I started at a business after that that then led and was successful. And then it was sort of the, the platform for me to go on and build the portfolio of businesses I have now and do the acquisitions I've done now and and, yeah. and all the other projects I've got going on. Yeah. So yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, uh, so my background on that front to get to where I'm at, I found out, I've, like throughout university, I was trying quite a few businesses to be honest but I was like the typical kid that's always looking at the grass is green on the other side and then I like to focus that's what I liked um at that point in mm-hmm. my life at least and I was also distracted with uni and at that point you know it's kind of like you've got too much going on 
Um, but then I came to the realization that I wanted to build a business, try to do that, and then pretty much realized very soon that I lacked also some skill sets, right? So how crucial do you think is uh, the generation of skill sets in business before you make that jump? Because like only reason yeah. why you got to that level in your e-commerce venture, right? Before jumping into that full time was because you had a, a few skills that you may have gained on the job. Would you consider that Absolutely. true or how, how do you feel about that? Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And it's a very good point. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they may have had small businesses as they grew up and maybe they were a kid and they had, they they'd start a small business or they were in teens and started a small business. I think anyone who's gone from a business where, or, or a job role where they don't develop the kind of skills they need or they think they need or, or just just to work or even start the business, mm. I think it's so, so important to develop a base, sort of baseline of skills that any every business person needs to have, you know, yeah. real basic sort of finance, accounting, marketing, yeah. uh, product development, general business strategy, yeah. thinking about who you're going to be hiring next, um, you know, how you're going to grow the business, um, competition, all of these kind of things. If you've never started a business before, then that those things might not even come into your head. You might not even be thinking about those. Um, and so, yes, being in the position I was coming from the background I had really, really helped. Mm -hmm. But and I, and I think I don't I don't know how you would develop those skills. Otherwise, I think it's really just a matter of trial and error. And you go out there and you learn. Yeah. You start a side hustle, it doesn't work. You start another one, it doesn't work. Yeah. And then you you learn each time. And I think yeah. you never you're never as I say you're never successful the first time. Yeah. Uh, but developing those core skills is very important. Yeah. And if you do have a mentor, yeah. you know, like we talked about in our first podcast. If you do have a mentor, they will certainly help you with those skills along the way. They'll certainly tell you, these are the most important skills I've learned over my 10, 20 years in business. I will help you learn them. But if you can learn them, this will save you so much time yep. and and a lot of money going through doing your own thing. Um, this, so, yeah. I think uh, the thing is, like, you don't even know what you don't know, right? We're trying to build something. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. And that really comes out when you may get like a job or a position where you're like properly learning and you feel like, holy shit, like how little did I know before doing this? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, so we, so then, yeah, so th let's move on from, we left school, mm -hmm. went into university, you dropped out from university. I, no, I, I, I finished, I managed to finish. Oh, you finished. Yeah. Oh, you finished. But it wasn't, it wasn't a priority. No. No. Yeah. It was. It was sort of you weren't really focused on getting a good grade because no. to you it wasn't it wasn't important. No, it, not at all. Yeah, so, not at all. So for me, I mean, I actually when I get into something, I really jump right in and I work really hard and I, it, it sort of absorbs me and it takes up all my time. So when I was at university and I actually studied um, biological sciences or biology. Um, at university, so I wasn't an economics major or a finance major or accounting major or anything like that. That's strange, eh? yeah, and, and it's strange. And and I love biology and I loved science in general. I still do, and I still read about science and follow it. But um, in my third year, my final year at university, I was debating whether to go on and be a doctor. So 
I nearly, I was very close to applying to do medicine. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a it was a close call between going to work in finance and uh, between going to work in finance and going to be yep. a doctor. So it was very interesting that in the end, I chose to, to go into finance. And I think, um, Why do you think always in the back of my head, I, th- I think always in the back of my mind, there was this this idea that I wanted to, to be entrepreneurial and I wanted to to start a business and build a business. And that was always in the back of my mind. And, and I knew that if I'd become a doctor, there's never that opportunity to be entrepreneurial. It's very difficult to to be entrepreneurial as a doctor because doctors, that's just not, not what doctors are. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I was very sure when I left university that whatever company I joined, I didn't want it to be bureaucratic. I wanted it to have a very flat structure. I wanted to be able to show my employer what I could do and really learn from everyone there. And uh, it, fortunately, I was in both positions I took after university. Yep. There, was very, there was a very flat structure. I was exposed to both the managing directors, the, big, the partners of the company, mm-hmm. and, um, and I learned a lot on the job. And I think after those two jobs, I was really just keen on going out there and starting my own business. So what, and what were the two jobs? Can you can you go into them a bit more? Yes. Yeah, so my first job after university was as a mergers and acquisition analyst, so an M and A analyst mm-hmm. or an investment banker, as, as they would call them. Mm-hmm. I wasn't working for a big American investment bank. Yeah. I was working for a boutique firm. Mm-hmm. Um, Analyzing accounts for, and so on like that, like. You were analyzing. Yes, yeah, so it was. It was focused on China and UK cross-border transactions in technology and healthcare and uh, industrial um, companies. So, a lot of my work was involved around analyzing these companies, looking at the markets of these companies, um, generally private companies, and uh, identifying whether these companies would be good acquisition targets. And then sort of developing a relationship with those companies to try and bring them across and introduce them to our Chinese partners. And uh, and at the time, it was it was going okay. And I think, as, as I've discussed before, I was really responsible for a lot of the sourcing, which is not typical for a first-year analyst who comes into investment banking. I mean, typically, a first-year analyst role is essentially to be a, an Excel monkey. <laughs> You you get Excel, you get figures, you just bash those figures into Excel, yep. um, and you you do financial modeling pretty much your entire one first two years. Yeah. Um, for me, I was doing a combination of everything, and it it was it was good, but it was bad because some of the things I wanted to learn more on were the partners' responsibilities of so bringing in deals, sourcing new leads. That's kind of a, a senior level yeah. role, yeah. and it was difficult for me as an analyst to do that. Yeah. So after about a year and a half there, I decided that I wanted to move across to an investment analyst role. Mm-hmm. I'd learned a lot on the job in terms of learning about financial models, mm-hmm. uh, business strategy, mm-hmm. um, financial accounting, all of these kind of things, mm-hmm. and going over to investment as an investment analyst, I was working as a uh, both as a fixed income investment analyst and an AIM company investment analyst. So there were smaller companies in the UK in the alternative investment market yep. and as fixed income. So I kind of got 
really two ends of the spectrum in the in the investment world, really learning about the macro economics with fixed income and sort of the company fund bottom up fundamental side. Yep. And uh, I really liked my role there, really enjoyed it. Um, I think after six months, I was sort of thinking, you know, in the back of my mind as well, I was thinking, where am I going to go? Where's my next progression going to be? And I always thought, you know, I wanted to start my own fund one day. I wanted to invest in public equities and, and really yeah. show people that I can invest and I have been doing it for this long and I'm, and I'm very good at what I do. Yeah. And so I got a bit of exposure to that when I was a named company analyst and a lot of my results were better than the partner's results. So yeah. that kind of showed to me that I knew what I was doing. I was very understanding of, of, of the markets and yeah. had a real fundamental understanding and, and of so what drove what drove stock prices and these kind of things. So, so you were, that, that was just just recap. You were at this time thinking about okay, I want ownership of my time, my business, and my reputation. Essentially, right? Is that what you were thinking yeah. about at that point? Essentially, you know, I wanted to be in control, mm-hmm. and although I was at a, in a flat structure, mm-hmm. I wanted to have. I, I did want to have my own. I'm not not sure what to call it business, but. I wanted to have my own sort of autonomy, and um, and and I and I realized at that point in time that, that I could probably get there in two to three years. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, I could get there in two to three years. Mm-hmm. But that's when I got sick. I unfortunately got quite unwell while I was there, mm-hmm. and um, I told I told the company I said I I'm I'm really suffering. I had to take some time off, mm-hmm. and although I could have stayed at the company for a much longer period of time on sick, I decided, you know, that it's better for the company than you know, they've given me the opportunity to work here. Yeah. I don't want to let this company down. So I decided to just leave on my own accord and say, look, uh, thank you for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. And it, it's almost is it, like I had no choice, but to start a business because yeah. I, I was, I was not able to work full time at this point. Yeah. And so I had to to get an income. I had to start a business. Otherwise, you know, I'd, I'd be living at home with my parents, or I'd yeah. be on the streets, or whatever. So this was this was the only option for me. And and so there was no no way that I could fail because there was no option for me to fail. Mm-hmm. And um, so, would you say your like your health issue was the tipping point that actually like okay, now we've got to start our own thing like that. Now we're yeah, actually uh, going to focus, or it was just like, well got nothing else to do let's try this what was your mindset at that point it, it, it was kind of the former i really thought right this is an opportunity now mm-hmm. i've always wanted to run my own business and i and i've had it in my mind for the last five years at this point and yep. it, this was just the the kick in the ass to say all right let's give it a go let's see what happens yep. and um yep. it turns out that what i was doing and, and what i built was and i was very good at what i was doing so mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's a tipping point, right? Like, there's people that may be going through like a, a tougher time right now, and it's just the way in which you look at that point when it's going to either catapult you up, and obviously that's happened to you right now, right? Uh, and we can go into that later on, or you can just be dull about it and feel sorry for yourself and just go flat line for your entire life and have that story about yourself right because this is why i'm here exactly. because of this you know i would say you know i was i was really ill 
Mm. So I I was in bed. I was bedridden for nearly a year. Wow. I couldn't actually couldn't actually get out of bed for all the time. Mm. Um, I had like debilitating fatigue where I couldn't move. Mm. Uh, it was like almost a permanent flu, mm. and um, that that didn't go away at all for a year. Wow. And the after effects of it are sort of still going on, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I. And not like you say, I could have said to my parents and to myself, I can't do this. You know, I, I have to kind of accept where I am right now in my life. And just, you know, in, in the UK, you can you can claim benefits for being not able to work. Yeah. Which at that point in time, I was well within my rights to do. Yeah. But um, I decided not to. And I decided, you know, what, I'm going to give, a ch- give, give myself a chance. Yeah. And I've always wanted to start a business, so let's go out and give it a go. Nice. And um, and yeah, and, it, and it's worked out really well. And yeah. uh, I, I think the being sick has helped me, mm-hmm. uh, has pushed me to be more successful. Yeah. Because you know, and, and as I've got better, you know, at, at the time when I started, I was working maybe one, two hours a day, and now I'm working sort of minimum eight hours a day I'm like 10 hours a day yeah and uh yeah it's it 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 really has pushed me to sort of you know what 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 could I what I achieve when I was sick compared to what I can achieve when I'm healthy and uh the potential of people and yeah it's uh yeah it's been really 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 fun nice nice yeah so I I met you so just so that the audience knows uh I met you when you were uh, almost like halfway through your e-commerce journey, I would say, right? Or like three quarters down that route. Um, yeah, so probably halfway, yeah, yeah probably halfway. Um, and at that point, we, we kind of met um, our path journey, whatever you want to call that on that front. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it was, it was interesting because we, we met an entrepreneur's event and um, we... We also we kind of connected automatically, and I mean we were the youngest people there as well. I mean this entrepreneurs' yeah, event was for people that were sort of in their successful business people in their forties and fifties. Yeah. Um, there was a few in their thirties, but you know, we were in our twenties, and yeah. we yeah, we kind of hit it off. You know, we were the youngest then. We were like, yeah. it's crazy that how young we are compared to everyone else. We, we almost couldn't. Do it. You just connect with people that don't have a beard, right? So hey, yeah. <laughs> exactly, <same>. yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, that guy's shit. That guy's <laughs> no problem. Yeah, um, yeah and, and we we actually came up with the idea of starting a business together, yeah. and um, yeah. what we, and it's actually what we're both doing now, but separately. So I think it's good to talk to the audience about this because it's it's quite important in that you know we're both very motivated, and now I would I would say people would consider both us both very successful, mm-hmm. but at the time uh, we as a pair struggled to, to, to make our business work. And I, and we put that really fundamentally down to our age at the time yeah. and, um, and what businesses we were doing. I mean, we both had sort of businesses on the side, um, but where we wanted to go yeah. was building a portfolio of companies, yeah. working with funders and lenders around the UK and bringing capital to build and acquire groups of companies. Yeah very difficult when there's two 20 something year olds approaching a 60 year old owner of a 
five million pound business and saying, hey, you know, can we buy your business? Yeah. They, it's very difficult for them to take you seriously. So I think we, we tried that for about a few months and we just found that it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't really working. And we yeah. both came to the agreement that we need just some gray hair yeah. in, in, in our partnerships. So that's when I moved on, worked with someone, you moved on yeah. and worked with someone and yeah. we're, we're much better off now. And, and, uh, and I still feel like to this day, when I approach clients and I talk to people that they are shocked with, about my age, Yeah, I purposely don't shave a lot of the time when I turn up to meetings because they think I'm even younger if I don't shave. <laughs> and, uh, even, even if they think I'm 30 or 35, yeah. they, they still don't take you seriously because they think, well, how, how have you got the money to, to buy my business? Yeah. Um, yeah. and there's not a lot of people that do so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's uh, and that that's why I mentioned uh, this skill set sort of things. So when you're trying to build something, uh, initially you, you may think that you know a lot and you've started like some successful businesses or you know in your case I think you did very well in e-commerce, um, but then you realize that if you want to get to the next level or the next stage of your business, you know I guess life cycle, uh, there's some skill sets and some gaps that you need to fill. And you can either do it yourself yeah. or you can use outside help, mentors, partners, and so on. In order to exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think if we hadn't, if we try and, and push through to try and stay together as a partnership, yeah. I don't think it would, it may have worked and it probably would have worked, but would we be where we are now? Later on. Yeah. I think we would, we'd probably be only 20% of the way where we are now. 100%. Um, and uh, I think, yeah. Again, if, if people go back and watch our first episode about mentorship, this is the importance of having a mentor and having a business partner who you know, can really help you along the way, yeah. um, either by their reputation or by what they teach you. Yeah. And um, you can develop the skills and then you can go on and, and do it yourself in, in the future. But yeah. it is very important to, yeah. to get that base skill set. 100%. Um, I mean, for me, it's been a pretty big life changer to be honest like it's just like night and day what you're able to learn from people uh it's yeah. especially people that have been there and worn it right so you want to be selective about who you're going to work with uh because honestly you're going to learn their skill sets and if they haven't gone into that level you're not going to learn skill sets because they don't have them right yeah um, exactly so you know um and so, so what what are you doing right at this moment in time that just sort of yeah. let people know like, position wise how many yeah. how many pies are your fingers in yeah so <laughs> good point uh so um current so i finished university uh we tried to dabble on a couple of businesses didn't do too well on that front because we just didn't have the experience tracker or whatever um, from there, I moved on to management consulting so started getting the grips and the mental structure around uh, trying to improve businesses operationally, create like strategies on the international scale ups and so on. Uh, and, and just to put it there, yeah. you you did this all off your own accord. You you know this was something that you did yourself. You didn't have any on, any mentorship on the management consulting side. I I worked. Yeah, yeah I did actually. Um, so I worked. Oh, you did okay. Yeah, I worked with uh, a small, I guess, boutique management consulting firm out of the Basque Country over in Spain. Um, they had some decent clients you know we i was working at one point with like a 350 million turnover bus company on their international expansion and we had to like create the projections 
the presentation, internal presentation, so on. Typical with what you do at like EY, McKinsey, or yeah, yeah. Um, I, I learned to put in the hours. I learned the grips. But what I also learned is that you're not going to get very far if you don't have equity inside business, right? Um, and that is where like I started reminding myself of the event that we went to where you learn how to buy businesses and own them and receive dividends and so on, um, which is when I, I was like very similar to you, uh, Ben, trying to look for alternatives and trying to get out there and improve my, I guess, situation. Um, and from there, what I did is try to add value to as many people as possible that were in the spot that I wanted to be in um, for free, no favors asked, just questions and trying to offer value as much as possible all the time, uh, which is to how I got to the place I'm at right now. So I'm currently, uh, I guess, chief operations officer, so like COO at a, an investment firm called Oplantic Capital, where uh, we buy small medium-sized enterprises in between i would say the biggest one we've done has been uh, uk salads which is turning 51 million a year in turnover uh, so if you go to like aldi for example or tesco's in the uk you're probably going to buy something that has been distributed by uk salads um and then down to you know two million turnover companies even one million turnover companies that's on the one end with opulentia and then i've also got uh closing on the second equity stake inside two tech uh, companies that have really cool projections, actually, like really interesting products and service offerings. Uh, they're confidential for now, but as time progresses with the podcast, I'll be happy to, to share that. So, And, yeah. and you, you mentioned just before that yep. you offered to work for free, just giving people value. Yep, 100%. And we talked about this before. People just seem to... If you give someone, if you offer someone something for free, they feel obliged to give you something back. Yeah. You know, it's just human nature. Yeah. So rather than say, I want this for giving you this value, if you give them the value, yeah. they're more willing to give you something back. 100%. And you know, I can't tell how many people listening to this now, how many entrepreneurs that, that don't, or people starting businesses that don't do that. Yeah. Because yes, at the, at the beginning, it's difficult because you won't be making any money, but a year's time, you know, those clients are going to be with you yes. and possibly even paying clients. Yep. Um, and once you have your first few paying clients, then yep. everything else is, is exponential from that. 100%. 100%. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like, uh, I think uh, you've seen it yourself, definitely yourself, uh, the compound effect. So like if you are consistent and if you are focused and you keep track and you make the repetitions that you need to make for your own industry, like your results will compound. Um, and, so, yeah. and so will your conversation to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and that, and that's kind of very similar to me when I sort of joined forces with my current business partner and I, we wanted to, we started an investment acquisition and a consulting company, mm-hmm. um, which essentially invested and consulted in small and medium-sized enterprises in the UK and also acquired businesses from um, people looking to exit their business, mm-hmm. essentially providing business owners exits and opportunities. I mean, that's how we describe ourselves. Yeah. And there's a lot, the SME space is very underserved. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we just found that 
there was a lot of companies that were good quality companies, but just weren't run as effectively as we think they could have been. And so that just to us meant that we wanted to jump in and, and there was a market there for us. Yep. And uh, it's, it's doing it's doing really well. Um, and at the same time, we, what are we you guys, build... For the audience, what are you guys called? Global. Uh, we call, yeah, Global World Partners. Yeah, so yep. they can have a look at us. But um, yeah, we, we, we build businesses as well. So we're not sort of focused on one particular area. We don't just focus on investing. We don't just focus on acquiring. We don't focus on consulting. You know, we do all of them. And we also build businesses from scratch. If we come up with a good idea, we use our network and our employees and, and the people we have good connections with to build those businesses up. Mm-hmm. And, um, what would, and yeah, we've been very, very successful what so you, far. What would you say, Ben, is the most, um, I guess, what would you say is your unique speciality? Right, and I think uh, within your website at Global Partners for Capital, you guys like have the fact that you come into a business that are in a specific situation and they try and take them to the next stage, right, of the business life cycle. Yeah. So, so I mean, generally, if you're a business owner and you own a business with revenues between one and fifty million, the private equity market is not really that interested in you. Mm. Trade buyers may be interested in you, mm. but they are few and far between. Yeah. And it might take you a long time to, to if, you, if you want to exit, yeah. it might be years until the trade buyer, the right trade buyer comes in to purchase you. Yeah. And so what, what my partner and I decided and, and discovered was that we could offer that exit. Yeah. And we've developed really good relationships with investors and funders who help us to invest and buy those businesses yep. and work with those business owners to give them that retirement and make sure that the business is in safe hands after the sale. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the most important aspects for business owners when they sell their business mm-hmm. in that, yes, they want the right amount of money. Mm-hmm. They want that safe retirement or they want that safe sort of cash extraction, but also they want to know that, the business, their baby that they've built up over the last however many years is going to continue for the foreseeable future and it will still be around in 5, 10, 20 years. Yeah. And so that's what we do. I mean, we buy long-standing businesses and businesses that we know are going to be around that we can add a lot of value to, we can build on, we can grow. And what we've done in only 18 months now is excluding add-on acquisitions, yep. our group has grown revenue by over 100% in 18 months. Yep. And that, that's, a fantastic, no, that's a fantastic stat. It really is. It means it's a testament to how hard and how well our team are working at building these businesses yep. and uh, the strategies that we're implementing in these businesses. And you know, we're not passive investors. We, we get very involved in those businesses and we come up with some very good ideas of how to grow them and very good strategy on... Yep on what we think they should be doing and what each managing director of the businesses should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we've put in our own reporting processes and from those reporting processes, we come up with targets and solutions and, and ways of improving the business. Mm-hmm. And all of this together has resulted in us growing a businesses substantially. Yeah. Um, and I think if you talk to one of the previous owners of the businesses, they they come back to us and they say, wow, I mean, what you've done is, is amazing. I, w- I would never have been able to do this um, 
you know, yeah. although although it's not in a benefit of them now that we bought the business, yeah. it's it's more that they're happy that yeah. with the people that they've passed their business on to. So um, so just to make this clear for the audience, you, let's say you've bought a business for let's make it two million in annual revenue, right? And say half a million net profit, which it would be like a really interesting business. Um, you guys through your methods have been able to get that past 4 million and 1 million net profit within a year. Is that correct? Within 18 months, pretty much. 18 yeah. Months. Just through yeah. organic growth, like just through organic growth. So that's no bolt on acquisitions. That's just pure that's incredible. organic growth. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's just bringing in the right people, implementing the right strategies, yep. um, you know, trans modernizing the business, transforming the business. Yep. And, um, and, 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 you know, I'll be, I really love what we do and I, I really enjoy it because seeing that, that effect is so rewarding for me yeah. when we, when we bring in more employees, we grew a company from sort of 10 employees to 25 employees. We hired, brought in a sales team yeah. and worked with a new managing director and brought in a finance manager. Yeah. We were able to hire more manufacturers yeah. and, um, I think that that to me that's great. These people don't have a job otherwise. Yep. You know, some of them are are not working. Others are not satisfied with the jobs they're doing. So we're really giving these people a new yep. a new purpose yep. and um, and being part of something that is really fun and interesting and enjoyable to be part of. And you know, with the way we run our businesses, are you know we, we as long as everyone's people work very hard yep. and we. You know, they are rewarded for working very hard yep. at the same time we don't we, we value all of our employees and we give them what they want because we know that employees are yep. really the most important people in the businesses 100%. and having the right employees transforms the business yep. so um yeah yep. that's that's one of our sort of that's... one of our key things we do yeah that's it's very similar to what we do um so I mean, we would be looking at buying a company and then uh, similar to what Ben mentioned, trying to improve the strategy of it and look at bolts and acquisitions. Um, I guess something that's really interesting for those out there that are looking at the SME market is uh, when you bolt on acquisitions across the group, you have that availability to, or that ability to cross-sell, up-sell, down-sell, improve like the cost structure of that business, incentivize management teams, create like, better uh, opportunity vehicles for the employees. So it, as, as a whole, it really improves the overall look of businesses. Um, and it's a, yeah, it's a really interesting moment to be in, in history, I would say, yeah. uh, based on the yeah, demographic question. So. I mean, essentially what we're doing is we are, we are like, I mean, I don't like to consider ourselves private equity companies mm. because I think private equity has quite a bad name in yeah. in a lot of companies over a lot of private equity companies over leverage deals. Yeah. They load on loads of debt yeah. and then they are forced to rapidly expand or rapidly cut costs from a business. Yeah. And then a lot of the time it doesn't work out, but they need to have a a very high growth to to justify the valuation they're paying for these businesses and also to give the business to give the private equity investors that exit yeah. because they rely on that, that five to 10 year time horizon to get 
a initial rate of return yep. to the investors that put the equity in so that they want to see their money out at some point. Yep. Um, and so to do that, they have to over leverage and they have to find ways to um, to grow the business. And sometimes it's not yep. maybe not the most ethical and maybe not not in the best interests of the employees and the best interests of you know, the local community. And yep. um, so the way that we approach a lot of our investments is that unless you're slacking and you know, you shouldn't be working at the company in the first place, you know, your job is completely safe. Yep. There's no, there's no, there's no way or no reason that we would you know, remove any employees that are working hard and doing well in the business. Yep. What we want to do is grow the business. So we want to hire more employees yep. and we want to um, even take the current employees and see, you know, are they satisfied work with the current employees mm-hmm. to find out what extra things we can be doing. Yep. Um, for them, for them to, to make them happier, yep. and um, and of course give ourselves the opportunity to have a good quality business and and take some good yep. good profits from that business. Yep. Um, yeah. And so yeah, there's there's definitely there's definitely an underserved market at the moment, and we we're taking advantage of that. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, so we've touched on the past, right? We've touched on like the brief present of what we're doing right now. Uh, yeah. Just to, so that we can keep ourselves accountable with with the audience, where do you see yourself in the next in the next year, next twelve months? Any goals next that, you, that you want to share with the with the audience? Yeah, so I think we'd like to. I, I'd like to get to a point where I had a portfolio of companies and properties of hundred million. Now that's a massive ask. Yeah, I know. But I think you've got to set big targets, and um, if you get close to those targets, then yeah. I, w- I think you know, that would be somewhat a success. Um, That's for the next but that, year. But that is that is my target for the next year. Yeah. For the next year, okay. yeah. And so, I think, yeah. and I think if if we look further down the line, five years. Yeah. Um, in five years, I think I'd like to be in a position where um, we have big portfolio of SMEs we are renowned in our field across Europe mm. as a really good quality management team yep. who offer really great solutions yep. for exits and opportunities for business owners yep. and that people who want to sell the business want to work with a, an experienced partner or maybe want investment mm. come to us because we are that name that can always help and um, always offer solutions I think that that that's the goal. I mean, it, a non-monetary goal, really, but just to be yep. the name that people think of when they say, you know, are you are are you looking at sort of getting an investor on board, or are you looking at selling that business, or are you looking to to work with an experienced partner to help you? And and then they think, okay, I am, but who can they think of? Mm-hmm. They want I want them to think of us. So that would be a really good, really nice. good goal. Uh, funny enough, it's uh, one of the same goals that I do. I've got all for this year. So we want to make a hundred million in transactions, uh, either by buying businesses or selling. So we should have, I would say, thirty million, like done by May. So we're on the, I guess, on the hunt for the other seventy by the end of the year. Um, yeah. So same goals for the next year, uh, and then like three to ten years down the line. Uh, very similar to what you're thinking, uh, to be honest. Uh, I'm, I don't want to really share 
what my net worth goals are. Uh, but I guess my, you know, I guess my ten ten year timeline is going to be pretty pretty substantial if I want to get to that point. Um, yeah. So I think that's a, a chat for another day. What do you think, Ben? We'll keep yeah. we'll uh, keep the the keep audience with a <laughs> with a bit of a, <laughs> yeah intrigue around that. Yeah. So I mean, this this podcast been a little bit longer than the others, but um, I think Matthew and I thought it was very important that we we told people and so where we're coming from and so when you listen to our podcast in the future you know where we are in our lives and how we got here and and our upbringing just know a little bit more about us personally because you know we'd like to have develop a community here of people who regularly watch our podcasts and um we can provide value to and that you know they can approach us and we can give them the advice that we've had throughout our lives and and hopefully together we can help each other so yeah yeah, exactly. Cool, guys. Thanks a lot for, for listening. All right, well, yeah, we'll uh, catch you up again um, tomorrow. Yep. See you later, guys. Bye. See you later.